use my axe! I'm hungry! Welcome to Get to Work, Hurley, the podcast for anyone who has ever been frustrated with the professional writing life. I am back, people. I am back with episode six. I'm back with episode six. I'm going to be covering a few things in this particular episode. We're going to be talking about some things that are certainly on my mind, but that I also know are probably on your mind as well. And hopefully it will be helpful for both of us all of us to talk to talk through it. Uh, we're going to be discussing a little bit about how to get to work appropriately enough during during these rough times. I'm also going to talk about the importance of building really good habits and or kind of organizing and hacking your life to be a little bit uh, more efficient, efficient and effective. We may talk a little bit about handling criticism. I will tell you a little bit about some more projects that I have. Also about not selling yourself short. I think sometimes we, we fall into this space where people tell us what we are and are not good at and, and we forget. I will also have some book recommendations for you at the end of the podcast, and which I, I really I should need to do more often because books are so great. I've been reading a lot. First, let's go ahead and, and talk about working during tough times. I had uh, lunch yesterday with a couple of colleagues, with Tobias uh, Buckel and... Uh, John Scalzi. We were, we were talking a lot about how to, again, everyone has basically been struggling. As Scalzi talked, he had a, a great post up about how he is, you know, behind on on his writing and, you know, only getting a few hundred words sometimes. And uh, we were all discussing this about how difficult it has been to get to work, <laughs> to get to work when the world is burning. Uh, and I know lots of us have discussed this publicly. I wanted to go ahead and, and talk about it a little bit in, in the podcast because it is something that we're all struggling with. I think a lot of people know that Broken Heavens, the third book in, in my fantasy trilogy, I was all excited. I had written 90,000 words of it. I was crushing it out. Finally, it was finally going to be done. I wasn't going to be one of those authors who takes 50,000 years to finish their goddamn trilogy. And, you know, and I sent it to my agent and she was just like, you know, this is crap. Uh, what you have is crap. And this book needs to be way longer than you think. It's not 120,000 words. It's a 180,000 word book. And I was, you know, understandably crushed. I, I did save like 60,000 words of it. And she's like, yeah, you have about 60,000 good words in there. So, but the problem is it's a 180,000 word book. We ran into that issue. And she had said to me, she said, listen, the book is not going to get any less late. It's not going to get any less late. So what we need to do is shift away from this because you clearly are having trouble writing this book. Let's shift away from this. Let's work on the Light Brigade, which is due to Saga Press in February. Let's finish that on time so you don't have... Because again, if I had kept trying to do Broken Heavens, that was going to be pushed out. Now, now I was running out of time to light, write Light Brigade. So she's like, let's write this instead. We've all really... And that's helped. I, I've been working on the structure for that one, and I think it's it's going to be a much more powerful it's a it's a one and done but we'll see <laughs> we'll see god only knows in this timeline 
so we were talking about uh, some some different ways that we could uh, strategize and, and different ways we're all dealing. And one of the suggestions uh, was, hey, every time that you are really pissed off about something. Obviously, the first one was don't spend as much time on social media. I think we can all agree. <laughs> no, especially Twitter. Twitter is a garbage fire. Remember when Twitter was fun? Remember when Twitter was like a big cocktail party with your friends? It was like full of book recommendations. And granted, you know, my Twitter is not that bad because I've muted like every single keyword I could possibly mute related to anything related to natural disasters or the government uh, or shootings or death of any kind. And people always ask, well, aren't you afraid you won't be informed? I'm like, how the fuck were you informed before Twitter? <laughs> how were you informed? You probably read read a newspaper or, again, back in the day, or you or you looked at the news, you know, you, you watched the news. And some people never did that at all, so they just weren't informed. And that's fine because, you know what, if it's a big enough story, you're going to fucking know. People are going to talk about it. And you're going to hear about it. So, uh, no, I'm not really worried about being uninformed. Twitter's a rage machine. And it's really difficult to not jump on the rage machine wagon. And I think this is also one of the reasons that Twitter is having a lot of problems getting rid of its sort of abusive accounts. Because it knows that the rage machine is what fuels it. And it's really hard. You know, the world is full of shitty things. It has always been full of shitty things. Nobody likes it. It's especially shitty right now in America. We're not, we have not been a, a wonderful place for many people, but there was this kind of facade of pretending. And I was talking to, again, someone else recently, and, and they were like, yeah, you know, it's almost kind of better that we stop pretending because now at least we're honest about how horrible we are, <laughs> that how shitty things are for people. And maybe that's going to be what leads to change. I don't know. Anyway, it's going to take 30 years. One of the strategies for whenever you're pissed off was to basically donate a dollar to the ACLU. Every every time like you're like you'd log into Twitter, which shouldn't be very often. You should log again. Every time you get pissed off once a week, you know, send a dollar to the ACLU. How great is that? It makes you feel like you did something. If you're like, oh my God, I'm going to be broke. <laughs> get me broke if I send a dollar to ACLU every single fucking time I'm pissed off. Then go ahead and be like, okay, I'm going to call my senator right now. Every time you're pissed off, just I'm going to call my senator and just be pissed off into the answering machine. Call after hours, be pissed off in the answering machine. I'm going to write an email to my senator. I'm going to fax my senator. Do one piece of action so that you feel like, okay, I'm pissed. I've done it. Don't just retweet. Don't just constantly retweet. We just, we have, guys, and that's some of the, the rage thing is that we feel like we're just sort of, we're tweeting into our own silos. You know, we're sharing your Facebook walls for all you Facebook people. We're sharing all this bullshit and clicking on it and liking it and being like, everyone should be aware how shitty things are. It's like, we all know. We're we're pretty well aware at this point. And again, we're also siloed. It's You're basically just talking to yourself. <laughs> you're talking to yourself at this point. Take an actual action. If you are not someone who feels comfortable, people are going to protest. You know, I, I struggle with this as well. Do I really want to go to a big protest and risk being in jail for two or three days and not getting access to my meds and dying in jail because God knows the shit's going down right now? I have to think about that every time. I'm like, should I go to this protest or not? And sometimes they're fine and sometimes they're not so fine. So that's for everyone. But do an action. Don't just sit there staring at nightmares, you know, scrolling, (laughs) scrolling across your Facebook feed or your Twitter feed. 
turn it off. Uh, mute all the keywords on Twitter, first of all. Get rid of Facebook. I'm a marketer. Get off Facebook. Face Marketers love Facebook. We love it because it tells us everything. And we can manipulate you absolutely and completely using Facebook because its algorithms are so advanced. It's amazing. It's an amazing machine. It's an amazing media machine. It's, it's great for marketers. It's bad for humans. Get off Facebook. Stop. Just stop. If you absolutely have to, again you know, see the news, it, subscribe to the Washington Post, check or just check the Washington Post headlines, you know, once a day or once a week. I only do it once a week. If there's like an, a collective action, like, okay, there's, we're about to, we have to all go and call our senators. We have to all go to whatever. Then that's fine. I'm going to hear about it because I've subscribed to new, I subscribe to that newsletter. I have lots of newsletters. There's, I subscribe to fivecalls.org. When we need to call, then we call. Um, and I still do the, you know, the, Again, fivecalls.org. It's like, okay, here are the calls I make. That way you feel you're doing things and then you can get back to work. I think we're all really struggling with this idea that we have to constantly be informed when in fact we're not informed at all. We're just, we're basically going to Twitter or to Facebook to see people's reaction to the latest rage inducing thing and then interacting with the those things. We don't need to do that. It's an emotional toll for those of us, especially who are introverts. That amount of emotion is just way too much. I can't deal with it. I just want to sit in a hole afterwards and put a book over my head and not do anything. Uh, Speaking of coping mechanisms and books, books are a great way to get through this as well. Instead of being on Twitter or something in line, because you want to read stuff, right? Oh, I'll check my Facebook. I'll check, I'll check Twitter. Stop. Stop. Stop doing it. Go ahead and Kindle an e-reader, get that on your on your phone, play play games. There's all sorts of other things you can do with your phone waiting in line or just stand in line and fuck all. Do fuck all. Turn on, have, think through a story problem in line. We have to change our habits in order to conserve our emotional energy and this is something that I've been working on quite a bit I just read a book and this goes to the book recommendations but it's called the power of habits it was really fascinating it looks at how the how these unconscious habits become they're like a a computer program when we have bad habits and and his his example in the book is smoking a lot of people if they can quit smoking it leads to them making a lot of other changes in their lives that make them healthier. So it's sort of this, this it, it's a keystone habit. He calls it a keystone habit. And I've noticed that I have a keystone habit, which is if I sleep in and I don't do my little stretches and exercises in the morning, or I sleep in and I don't immediately get to work early, like work on my stuff. And my whole day, I don't, I don't get shit done during the day. And I'm, I'm much more distracted. I'm not as focused. I'm much more irritable. Whereas when, like today, I get up at 5.30 more, it's a Saturday, I get up at 5, 5.30 on a Saturday and I immediately start working or, you know, I do, I do my exercise and I start working, I'm much more focused. I get much more done. And it's, it's a keystone habit. It's like I have to get up. I have to do the work at a certain time. And if I don't, everything is thrown off. And I started looking at, all of, again, all the other sorts of habits, right? Oh, I sit, I sit, if you sit down and I sit down and I have a drink or I sit down and I have ice cream. There are all sorts of things that we associate with, oh, I'm on the couch, I'm relaxing. So what I'm trying to do is I'm on the couch, I'm relaxing, I'm reading a book. And and that's like the immediate thing. Oh, I'm on the couch and your brain goes, why should be reading a book instead of like, I should be having a drink, (laughs) you know? 
try to find ways to I recommend that book, first of all, so you can start realizing just how much we are just a collection of habits. It's an amazing book. That The psychology of it was absolutely fascinating. Again, coming from my marketing background, he talks about how we got people to brush their teeth every day, right? Nobody brushed their teeth. Uh, if Maybe they would do it once a week, but nobody did it once a day. And it was a matter of getting people into the habit of doing it every day and and building it into that daily routine right before I go to bed I brush my teeth and literally that's how it has been built that entire uh, habit that I have right I think about that you know all the time it's like I, I feel weird if I don't <laughs> I don't brush my teeth but and that's that's how I can remember again re- I remember to take medication all those things because there's a there's a habit that I have formed it's like okay I get ready to go to bed it's about eight o'clock I start reading a book oh I need to take my medication. And it's a habit that I have to get into so that I don't think about it. I have been needing that more and more as I feel more overwhelmed with, you know, the day job, with all the other things that I have going on in my life. I need habits that help me be more productive and stay on track without having to think about it. And you will have to think about it the first few times, right? Because you're just building a habit. So you are going to have to think about what am I doing right now? And you have to be very, very aware. Why am I doing this? Why do I want pizza right now? <laughs> Why do I want to watch an hour of a TV? Uh, because, oh, because when I come home, I watch an hour of TV. Do you need to do that? Can you read a book? Can you uh, do your painting? Can you work on this other thing? Really start to interrogate and think about the habits that you have and how to sort of hack those habits. Also, one of the books I've also read which I also recommend, it's called Organizing organizing Solutions for People with ADHD. I've noticed more and more how easily distracted I have been and how, how much it's been very difficult to, for me to concentrate and stay on task. I'm, I'm capable of great focus, right? Deep Work is a really good book that I recommend to people a lot. I'm capable of great focus and I love getting, and I'm a, I'm a binge writer, so I love getting into that flow. The problem is... There has been so much to do and things pile up so much in my inbox. And luckily I do, I have an assistant. She helps with email and organizing and put things in my calendar. And I, I've, I've made things into tasks on my calendar, which just makes it easier to, to check them all off. But I really needed some solutions in my house because I felt like, man, our house is filthy. I wish I could keep it cleaner. I wish things were more organized and there isn't shit, you know, left out all the time. And this book was really great because it, it, it doesn't matter whether you have ADHD or not or you, or you suspect you have it or not. It's really great just for if you feel incredibly overwhelmed with the cleaning, with the cooking, with all of these things. Because it was like, okay, here's what you need to do. Get industrial, get not industrial, but get you know the big trash can for your room, get trash cans for, and make an, make an intuitive choice of where items go. And some of this my husband and I were already doing, which is, you know, we have a front coat closet where all the coats go but for the sweaters and the shoes that we use regularly like every time we don't open the closet and go in and root around and get all that shit out we have one of those little benches with hooks you know the the coat hooks and stuff that's right next to the closet so all the the heavy coats the things that we don't wear every day or we, we kind of swap them out we already started doing that because it made sense it was like, why am I going to root around in the closet for five minutes trying to find something when I'm just going to wear it again in 20 minutes there were other things that we had done again it was like hey why isn't the soap why don't we move the soap 
into the regular bathroom, went into the toilet, paper, all of these little things. They seem very small and that they shouldn't matter. But when you're feeling super overwhelmed, it's like, why the fuck aren't the, you know, the wooden spoons right next to the spatulas? You know, why am I walking across to the other side of the kitchen to get to this? And why aren't these things together? I or I reorganized a lot of things downstairs. I, you know, put a little basket. One of the things uh, my husband's is kind of bad at doing is uh, going through mail. And so it kind of piles up on the thing. I, I go through mail immediately. And that was her thing. She's like, you, in the book, she's like, you got to go through it either immediately uh, because it's probably just going to sit. So I'm one of those people, I go through my mail immediately. Um, he kind of lets it sit. And the problem is that then it sits on the counter and then it gets wet. And, and she's, that was literally one of the things like that's in the book. She said, just get a little basket, not a, not something, this was, this was a really great tip. Not something that you, that you can't, not something opaque that you can't see through. It needs to be a see-through basket or bin and stand the mail up. You need to stand it up because then it's not laying flat. Then you see it. One of the things she said, you know, you need these, these transparent bins, these transparent uh, storage solutions. And she's like, yeah, I realize they, they don't look pretty, but they're incredibly useful because then you can immediately see what's in there. She's like, when you are overwhelmed and you have a lot going on, if you can't see something, it disappears. <laughs> it disappears. You don't know where it is. And so I, I re-engineered sort of where I keep stuff on my bedside table as well. I have little, again, the open, I kind of open baskets where these things are now, open bins so that I can actually see everything and I know what I have. We're running into that issue with grocery shopping, right? It sounds so silly, but grocery shopping where we don't know what we have because we can't see it all at once. And so we'll just do a quick perusal of the cupboards. Then we end up with, you know, why do we have eight things of ketchup? (laughs) Why do we have that? We don't even need it. That was a really great book for our helping me sort of organize my life to organize all of those little things that they, they don't seem like a big deal. They don't seem like they could affect your work habits, but they totally do because they're, it's part of feeling overwhelmed when you come home every day and you're just like, Oh, I need to do this and I need this and all the mail's here and I need Where's this other thing? And you spend, you know, forever working on these things that should take you five minutes. It's really very useful to look at ways that you can just make your overall life more efficient and make it easier to concentrate on your work. And again, as I said, some of that stuff I'd already started started doing, but it was really helpful to see someone basically back up my, my coping strategies and to give me much greater ideas. They all, they seemed like such simple things, but they, they made a big difference. Speaking of habits, the the way we see ourselves and sort of get this idea in our heads of who we are and what we can do, and worse, worse and sometimes better, how other people can sometimes get into the habit of seeing us a certain way. My, I had a, I was in California last week speaking, or I was doing a day job conference and had to do a bunch of work related to that. It was right across the street from Disneyland though, so that was all right. And my agent lives in LA, so she drove over. We had lunch. We were talking about various Hollywood projects. It's it was funny. I was talking to some colleagues. It used to be really exciting, like, oh, a producer called me or a producer requested this or that or the other thing. It, and then you realize that it's just that's just sort of happens and then nothing happens. <laughs> So now it's like, oh, yeah, we've been calling with a producer on Monday about optioning something. And 
We're like, yeah. <laughs> anyway, I know, I know. Oh, the tragic life. We were talking about various things, and, and I, had, I had written a pilot script for a, a show based on Geek Feminist Revolution. It was a really fun script. It's fun. I, I can be funny. Did you know I can be funny? <laughs> I'm hilarious. Listen. That was actually the the initial thing when I started working that I was like, I don't know if I can if I can be funny. I can be funny. I would just have a dark sense of humor. Anyway, I had written this thing and, and we had gone back and forth a few times. And the issue with Hollywood, especially Hollywood, and I've been working on this obviously in my own fiction, but Hollywood, everything has to be really finely structured. And they talk about breaking stories. I hate, I hate that term, breaking a story. I know what it means is you break it you're breaking it down right into into plot beats into acts into you, you want to break a story to see how it works basically I hate that term maybe that's why I have such a visceral reaction against it but we're talking we were talking about that and in the script and and we we're talking about what we what we wanted to do with it and how we wanted to bring on a you know maybe we should bring on a screenwriter so knows this other thing because she's like because you know you're you're not so great at structure I said, well, hold on a minute, Hannah. I was like, this is a true fact, right? I'm not naturally good at structure. But I said, we, we, when we talk about these sorts of things, we need, to under, I, we need to understand that learning structure is a skill. I'm certainly getting better at structure. And I can learn script writing just as I can learn anything. I've literally written one, one Hollywood script. I've written scripts for videos and things for various client videos over the years. But I have not, you know, literally you write one screenplay and you're not like, great, now you are great with screenplay. How many novels have I written? <laughs> I'm still <laughs> figuring out the novel form. So I said, let's let's be careful with making these sorts of broad statements about what I am or am not good at. I, I can be good at things. It's a, it's a skill. It just needs to be learned. But I just, I just, and granted, yes, and we need a scriptwriter, blah, blah, blah. But I wanted to stop her in that moment and I, I encourage you to watch how people in your life pigeonhole you as well because I wanted to stop her to stop and and realize that she was kind of you know there was a there was a box well Cameron isn't good at structure right and I don't want any of us to feel that we are inside of these these boxes or that we can't be good at things because that's just how we've always done it and it's always been that way yeah, I'm really great at character and world building. I'm also getting a lot better at structure, especially with uh, short fiction, because I'm writing so much short fiction now as part of Patreon. I've been getting a lot better. And I think even, again, a lot of the, the patrons who follow it have been noticing that. They're like, holy shit, like, this shit's getting serious. <laughs> They're, it's getting a lot better. And there are some, again, I'm learning to recognize when it works, especially when it works really well. Uh, and the and the themes and, and how the story, again, the emotional beats of the story break down. So I, I am getting better at that. And that's because I'm doing it over and over and over again. And when we make these conceptions of ourselves, and it goes back to this idea of habits. We make these concept, and I talk about the story. I talk a lot about the, how we build stories about ourselves, stories about the world. We really need to watch and be careful as we're building the story of ourselves and as we're building as other people are building the story of us. We need to be very careful that we are not building in a story that is either incorrect or not true or that we or that we don't want to be. 
one of the other things I always try and do is say, you know, I try to imagine the life that I want to have. I try to imagine the person that I want to be. And then I want to be that. But in order to do that, you have to be able to tell yourself the story that you can become those things. And it may be like, okay, well, yeah, I struggle with structure right now because literally I've just written one script. Well, I need to go write 20 more scripts and study a bazillion more scripts. I've been doing so much reading and so much studying. This is one of the things that a lot of people don't understand about writing and leveling up as a writer is that you have to be constantly learning. You can't just go, well, now I wrote one book and so I'm a novelist and I'm great now and I don't need to learn anything. <laughs> My agent talks about that. She said, yeah, she's like anybody who basically comes to me and is like, no, I'm good. I'm a perfect writer and I don't need anyone's criticism and I don't need anybody's help with anything. She's like, yeah, that's, that wouldn't be a good client for me. <laughs> she's like, I need to be with people who want to continuously learn want to continuously level up. And that was why I chose her. And it's funny talking to other writers. A lot of other writers are like, my agent is there to work on the contract and that's it. I don't want their opinion about my writing. I have editors for that. And I'm just like, I don't get edited a whole lot. <laughs> editors tend to be busy at a lot of big publishing houses. My first trilogy was a really good example where I was basically not edited. There's a couple little inquiries <laughs> for things, but I was not really edited. So I needed, I, I needed and wanted to level up. And in order to do that, I had to be open to learning all of these things, which I have done along alongside my agent and which I continue to do. Again, it's not it's not like you get on the train and you get to the end of the line and you hop off and you go, I'm a winner and I can stop learning now. It's, that's not how it works. It's fabulous for some, there are some people who, God bless them, they understand they, their first books hit it off. They understand marketing and structure and all these other things, they, they got lucky. And they literally can just write the same book over and over again, and it sells, and great for them. Hooray. But first, <laughs> that's not what, it would be great to have that. At the same time, I have been very clear in, again, my own story of myself, my own story of the world, that what I really want is to be the absolute best writer. I want to be the best that I could possibly be. I want to be an exceptional writer. I don't just necessarily want to write a commercial work. Yes, I would love to write a commercial work. Hooray. And then it sells forever. And then I can work on my craft while that one is selling so that I can write the best books that I can possibly write. I want to be exceptional. I want to be, again, that Ursula Le Guin level of good where someone goes, that is an exceptional craftsperson. That is an exceptional writer. Uh, that is the sort of peak that I am looking for. And in order to do that, I have to be continuously learning. And I have to have this story of myself as someone who continuously learns, continuously levels up. And so when I find people who who stop that or, or who are doing something that may impede that, you have to stop them and say, well, hold on. I was, I'm bad at, I used to be bad at a lot of things. I'm much better. Uh, we're working toward being better. I could be better at any form of writing. You just have to put in the work. And it was really interesting to think about the importance of putting in the work because I, I was re I was reading a, a book where they they had said this. If someone doesn't have a natural aptitude for something, isn't naturally good at something, naturally, quote unquote, or doesn't have an immediate aptitude, right? They're, they're like, oh, I can. It doesn't catch on quickly to something. They're less likely to get praised for it, so they're less likely to pursue it, and so they aren't going to be good at it. I was very lucky in that I enjoyed writing and I had some proficiency, right? I had a good imagination, so I got 
praise for it early. And I thought, well, this is fun. This is pretty good. And so I ended up doing that. Now, if I would have done something else, gotten more praise, you know, and put in the time and effort, I would have been better at it. But this ended up being, you know, the thing. And I think that we forget that a lot. We think, well, you have to have some natural aptitude for something or it's not worth pursuing. You have to just natural. And there's no such thing as that. There are people who, again, who are interested in something and they get, pra- okay, they get a lot of praise and so they pursue it more and then they get better and they get more praise, <laughs> right? So I, just be careful. All these things to be learned. Don't let people pigeonhole you. Keep leveling up your craft. If that's what you want to do. If you're just like, I just want to write a bestseller. And even then, if you want to just write a bestseller, you need to, that is structure, that is pure structure and then not spend a lot of time on at the sentence level, which is, I, you know, let's, let's be real. It's like, yes, if you got all those things nailed, that's perfect. But what people really want is something that's very well structured and feels very comfortable. The reason a lot of work feels very comfortable is because it comes with a comfortable structure. Speaking of good habits that will get you somewhere, I have a new story collection that was just announced. <laughs> that was, that was a kind of a shitty segue, but it wasn't, it wasn't really a shitty segue. It was good. And here's why. I, I just sold a story collection with two, I, I sold two projects to Tachyon Press, and one of which is called Apocalypse Nix, which was just announced as a fancy spaceship cover. And that is a compilation of five of the Nix stories, some of which I've done for Patreon. That was a really great opportunity to put those together. A lot of people have been asking for more Nix stuff. I am busy working on these other novels, but it sucks. I won't have anything that comes out next year because I couldn't finish Broken Heavens on time, which I discussed. Uh, luckily, Tachyon came along and said, hey, you know, we'd really, really like to do some story collections. So we ended up selling Apocalypse next to them, which is this fix-up novel of these five stories, which are going to be expanded and updated and edited. And it was really fun to to sort of relaunch the the Nyx line of novels. And some of this is also really great. I just got a word that God's War is out of print, the original God's War. So if you have one of those original covers with... Um, the in the trade paperback back edition you are one of few <laughs> you are one of few so hold on to them get them signed by me at the next event they're going to reissue those next year as mass market paperbacks probably i think like april july october something like that that's great I, i'm very excited that they're going to do that we're still working on some resolving some issues with that publisher but it's great that they're going to be reissued because they'll be on the shelves and apocalypse nix comes out and that's wonderful and the reason I talk about good habits and, and why I was trying to make that segue is because what you end up with when you make good habits, uh, such as the Patreon that kind of forces me to write a short story every month, is that you can then also find ways to repurpose and repackage some of your work. You can only do that if you have a lot of work. <laughs> if you, you have to make work in order to get it out there in order to have a career in order to like all these things everything comes back to making the time to do the work which is why you know I opened this podcast with ways that you can try to hack this this shitty timeline we're on and focus on the work that is going to please you please your readers people have been asking for more next stuff forever but I was like I, I don't have the time to write a lot uh, like some big long novels I also, people are kind of like, again, and for the advance money, honestly, that, that I would get from smaller presses, I not, I just, it isn't, it is not worth doing uh, for, for some of the, for some of the advances. But 
what I love is this idea of being able to take all of this work that I do and get the most out of it. And that comes back to, I think I've talked in other podcasts about finding multiple income streams. It's also looking at the work that you already have and saying, well, what else can we do with this? And I feel very, I don't want to say fortunate. I guess it is fortunate, but it's also just, again, a publisher doesn't take on your stuff unless they think they can sell it. It's not just to be nice. <laughs> it's, not, it's not just to be nice. They, they feel they could make some money, but it's really smart because again, what we ended up doing is, you know, we sold, we resold all these short stories that I've been doing for Patreon because we're going to do a short story collection probably called, okay, and this is totally a secret and I haven't said it to anyone, so don't tell, but I probably, it's probably going to be called Murder the Future. I mean, come on, Murder the Future. How great is that? I love it. That may be a little much. I don't know. I haven't heard back about that yet, but we are going to have a short story collection too probably the next year uh, so apocalypse next or 2018 and then a year or two later probably a year later this short story collection anyway order the future so make sure you're putting out great work yes that's wonderful great habits put out great work but also make sure that you're exploiting it we also sold uh, rights to audible for both of the um for this story collection and we'll do it for the next one as well or not to audible we actually sold to recorded books make sure that you're getting the most out of all of the work that you're doing. It's not just, I, I'm no longer in this whole like one and done thing. And in fact, the producer I'm talking to that I mentioned earlier on Monday is actually interested in a short story and adapting a short story. So think of all the different ways that you can, I don't want to say exploit, because exploits this sounds like a terrible thing. But look at all the different ways, all the different things that you can do with the work that you're actually putting out. Work smarter, not harder. <laughs> Too damn long, didn't read, didn't listen. Work smarter, not harder. Finally, I was going to talk a little bit about handling criticism and all that bullshit, but I think that's going to be an entirely other podcast. I think that's going to be, I really want a special guest for that particular episode. So I'm going to hold off on that one for now. For now, I just also want to recommend a, a book that I've been reading, uh, Invasive by Chuck Wendig, was a lot of fun. If you have not read that yet, it's about someone who's a FBI consultant who has really high anxiety and there are a bunch of killer ants on the loose. But it's really cool because she was raised with preppers and she had this, she has this dark backstory. It's a fun book, very well structured. Ha ha, structure. Again, Chuck, Chuck does a lot of work in, in all sorts of different media. Lots of fun. I mean, come on, genetically modified ants. How great is that? How great. It's a lot of fun. That book was fun. Just to recap, also the other books that I mentioned in this one was The Power of Habits and Organizing Solutions for People with ADHD, or honestly, people who are just fucking busy. We're just really busy. That is going to end this round of Get to Work Hurley. Those are the major topics on my mind today. I want everybody to, again, not just get to work, <laughs> but to enjoy their work. And to get the absolute most out of it, and that's going to come, again, hopefully, by all of us, from building better habits and staying better organized, as well as, again, exploiting rights, exploiting, uh, making the most of what you have done. I need a better word than exploiting. I just looked that up right now. And anyway, make the most of what you got, baby, because time is short. The apocalypse could be nigh. We are living through it, though. You are still alive. Survive. This is what I want to tell everybody at the end of Get to Work Early. 
survive. Survival is resistance. Speaking of getting to work, I really need to get to work now. I hope you all have a fabulous day wherever you are. Survive and get to work. <laughs> <laughs>